0: Hey, we're back. This is Jonathan Katz, the guy who likes to say, hey, we're back. I don't get it myself. Hey, today we're going to meet two guys who opened up a venison-only restaurant in midtown Manhattan. They're doing great now, but for a while, they had to deal with people's preconceived notions about venison.
1: Yeah. And they don't want to, let's say, eat Bambi. I remind the diners that Walt Disney was anti-Semitic. And that tends to do the trick. We have a way of splitting up the work between us, which has worked perfectly for us, and I recommend it to a lot of teams. where I do most of the creative and the other work as well. I'm a one-man
0: support system as well. He supports me. I'm able to take what Tom does with deer meat. And
1: well, it's got to be fun. I mean, if, when you kill as much deer as we do and cook it... Oh, it's been overwhelming. Really um, overwhelming. I know two people who are, you know, kicking themselves right now, and those are our wives. Because I don't think it's any secret. Both our wives left us. Uh,
0: yeah, they, they, they thought we were really nuts at one point.
1: When you go into a bank right. or some financial institution and say, could you give us $3 million to open a deer restaurant you're going to meet with some resistance, especially in this economy.
0: I would bet dollar to donuts that there is nowhere else in this country to get this quality venison on a regular basis in a nice environment.
1: Venison is a meat that it's challenging you to charge for it. It goes bad very, very quickly, and it goes bad quite often just after it's served there's so many deer on Long Island now that we just get in our our cars and drive around and hit them. Not
0: just Long Island; it's the coastal part of New Jersey. It's yeah. We, we're we're providing a service by thinning the herd
1: again. Legal is a word. When I talk about shooting them, legal is such a loaded word. The government looks the other way. The hunting season is very much like the TV season now, where there, where there's no real fall schedule because of cable. Yes, you know you know the expression like
0: like a deer in the headlights. That's the moment that you want to actually kill the deer, because...
1: And that is also a dish, deer in the headlights, which is, it's cut very, very thin. And we You know, people will say about a dog, he smells your fear. What people don't
0: know is that they can taste fear, and it's delicious.
1: It's wonderful.
0: And we can all taste fear. In 1961, my life changed. I went to a place on 96th and Broadway where you can play a kind of ping-pong I'd only heard of, I'd never seen, played. And I met a guy there who was running the place, a guy named Marty Reisman. I was 14, and he offered to play me a game of table tennis, uh, and he would use a chess piece, and I could use whatever weapon I chose, and he uh, destroyed me. He destroyed me, and yet he inspired me, and he continues to inspire me. He's just a great guy. Hey, why did you change from the three-ply to the five-ply hawk? That's
2: a good question. I don't know why I changed. Uh, I think uh, I wanted to get a little more zip.
0: And that was the voice of Marty Reesman, probably the only man alive who would describe that as a good question.
2: Yeah, the problem is that I was the hottest. I was, I was using the lightest and the slowest racket in the world, literally. Right. right. And I was the hottest hitter in the world. I mean, almost, uh, you know, uh, it's paradoxical, you know? Yeah. Now listen
0: closely. You'll hear Marty playing in 1943 in England.
2: Both men have won two sets, and this is the decider. Youth pitted against experience, subtle tactics against dashing speed. The first American, only 19 years old, was not even born when Barna had already won his first world title, and this is it. Barna's backhand flip may win him the title again.
0: What you can't really tell is that Marty's hitting the ball more than 110 miles an hour in front of more than 5,000 people.
2: But youth tells in the end. The vigor of a teenaged New Yorker is the winning factor, and Marty Reisman is Britain's new table tennis champ. Victor Bonner would retire from singles
0: play. Such a strong reaction. I don't, I don't blame him. He really met his match that day. But still, when I asked Marty if he wanted to be on my pretend radio show, he wasn't that enthusiastic, but then he, then he saw one of the obvious advantages to radio.
2: Uh, You can really dress up, and nobody can say you're pretentious, you know?
0: Hey, if you love gadgets, but you hate manuals, this might sound like your life.
2: There are three calls ahead of you.
0: That's not bad. I can wait three calls. I can find something to do. So I I picked up a a book I was reading called Tech Support and Patience, and... uh, and then before I, before I knew it, uh, she was back.
2: Thanks again for your patience. Your call is important to us. There are two calls ahead of you. Wait, we are back to three. But please be patient.
0: Okay, I'm trying to hang in there. I'm trying to see things from their perspective. They have an unusually high volume of calls. I'm guessing, and they do appreciate my patience. And I'm, and I think, if we just take a deep breath. I can be that patient guy they're hoping I am.
2: Thanks again for your patience. There are no calls ahead of you, but we are expecting a really important call soon.
0: Okay, I'm not playing this game anymore. Hey, the last thing I'm going to do for you today is try to answer the question, which I'm often asked, Jonathan, were you a funny kid? And uh, I'm borrowing a recording I did on my first ever CD called Jonathan Katz Caffeinated, available on iTunes and it finds stores everywhere. I started by calling my, my dad in New York City to find out if I was a funny kid.
2: Hello. Hi, Dad. Yes, sir. How are you?
0: I'm fine, Johnna. Good. Hey, I need to ask you something. Okay, shoot away. Tell me the truth now, was I a funny kid?
2: I'm sure you were. <laughs> I know you were.
0: Yeah, well, you were there.
2: I was there most of the time. Yeah. Not all the time. Yeah.
0: Well, give me an example.
2: Well, I think one of the very good examples had to do with uh, uh, the time you ran in the park. Yeah. You were running, plunk right into a husky guy, and you ran a set of intimate right through him, and you turned around, you laughed and laughed, and everybody in the park laughed and applauded.
0: Hey, Glenn, can you think of anything else? Is that it? (laughs)
2: Uh, not really. Nothing comes to mind at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, if you we should think of something. Pardon me? Thanks, Dad. Oh. Bye. Then I, uh, I just decided to call my biggest fan, uh, my Aunt Sylvia, in, uh, in Maine. She lives in Maine. Hello? Hi, Sylvie.
2: Oh, hi, Joanna. How are you? All right, darling. How are you?
0: I'm good, thanks.
2: Oh, that's Na- good. Nice up there? Well, not so good. Oh, really? We've been having a lot of rain, and now, uh, and then sometimes one day it's very hot, next day
0: it rains. Yeah, it's hard to get in the groove. Are
2: you, are you having that too?
0: Yeah, it's exactly the way it's been here.
2: Is that right?
0: Yeah. Um, Hey, Sylvie, let me, I'm going to just ask you flat out was I a funny kid?
2: Oh, you certainly were. Yeah. He, he said, I was walking with you one day at the park mm-hmm. and you saw this big this, 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 this fat man walking, right a black man, walking in front of us and you sort of... You Did you say Batman? You, huh?
0: Did you say Batman? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he was very fat, a black man he had, and he was walking so funny and you, you were, I was walking with you and mm-hmm. then you, you, you sort of got out of my grasp and you walked right through him, right through his legs. Uh-huh. And he started to laugh so hard. And you laughed so you,
0: you thought it was awfully funny that I had to run after you, you know? Yeah.
2: Okay, Sylvia, I'm gonna have to let you go. <laughs> all right, darling. I was just about to go out for a walk.
0: Okay, well, have a nice time.
2: <laughs> Bye, dear.
0: You know, you, you get old, the memories start to fade. They tend to get a little distorted in your mind. So I figured the one person who would be able to answer this question with some accuracy is my sister, Phyllis, who lives in Puerto Rico. Phil?
2: Uh, Jonna, hi. How are you? Fine. Hey, I have
0: to ask you something. I need to know this, and, and you'll remember. Was I, was I a funny kid?
2: No. You were not a funny kid.
0: You want some time to think about it?
2: No, you were a depressed kid, Jonathan. <laughs> Did you remember? When you were only three or four, you tried to kill yourself. You ran through the legs of that huge guy, Jonathan. The woman crushed you. That was a very strange thing to do. We're not
0: a funny kid. Hey, I'm back. I've been away for a while. I've been in San Francisco staging Dr. Cat's Live with my good friend Tom Snyder. And the next episode will include excerpts from the show we did there. Here I'm going to start thanking people. I'm going to begin with my sister Phyllis. That was her voice. Before that, you heard my Aunt Sylvie, my dad Sydney. The piece about the venison-only restaurant was edited by Tom Snyder with the voice of Tom Leopold. Listening to the music of Guy Van Duser and Billy Novick, also heard the music of Mike Shapiro. I'm Jonathan Katz. You're listening to Hey, We're Back on WKATZ.